The National Public Housing Museum welcomes you to our listening series, Out of the Archives. Stories make up the backbone of any culture. They tell us where we're from and who we are, create empathy and understanding, and allow us for an opportunity to share our experiences and learn from the voices of others. Our archive of stories from public housing residents aims to lift the voices of these marginalized communities and create space for important conversations to take place. As author and human rights activist Arund Hadi Roy said, there's really no such thing as the voiceless. There are only the deliberately silenced or the preferably unheard. The NPHM hopes to expand the scope of American history with these important stories. Tonight, you'll hear from storytellers including Liz Thompson of Cabrini Green, Harold Brown of the Lather Poems, Milton Reed of the Robert Taylor Homes, Shalonda McIntosh of Cabrini Green, and Godfrey Bay of the Jane Addams Homes. These stories span from 1943 to 1999. There were two primary forms of entrepreneurship in my part of Cabrini Green. There was the candy truck or candy store and someone's beauty salon in their kitchen. Of course, the candy store was the most fun. And for us, it was a truck, an old hollowed out truck. There were multiple candy trucks in the neighborhood. None were mobile, let me be clear. And they built homemade shelves along the sides of the truck and they put little boxes of candy on the sides of the truck. And so you would step up into the candy truck kids you know would take their nickel and go down and buy five pieces of candy from the candy truck i mean the truck was maybe four feet by five feet until you were huddled down a little bit and you just pointed i want one of those and one of those and one of those oh man they had bubble gum and remember the little dots that would come on long sheets of paper and the candy necklaces that you could wear around your neck and eat off a piece and you know, get mosquito bites because of the sugar and all that. I don't remember many of us being able to afford candy bars, but they would have candy bars. When we first moved into uh, Julia Lathrop, we were living on uh, Levitt. I was too young to remember it. That's where my brother was born. And then we moved to Anhoin, 2658 North Hoyne, which was a row house. We stayed there. <clears throat> excuse me, from about 1943 until 1959. I went in, into the service in 59, and the family moved out of there. We would sell candy to go to camp, because there again, I told you, there was no money there. So we'd actually sell the candy. It was 35 cents for five bars of candy. I can still remember it. Mm -hmm. Today, that would cost you $5. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we went to Winona, Winona, it was in Winona, Wisconsin, I believe. And uh, that was one of the activities. But in the boys' club, they had ping pong for us. Um, I understand now they have pool tables. There were no pool tables for us back then. Uh, every Friday night, they'd have. Um, Friday or Saturday, they'd have movies. They'd put a great big sheet up on the, one of the buildings right by the boys' club. Uh, and we have movies. Everybody would bring a blanket and just be right there. I remember um, a long time ago, uh, I was with this girl. She used to like to go to the boat. We get to the boat. She 
I gave her the last money that I was holding for her. And she lost all that. She said, now, I don't know how we're going to get home. And I said, don't you have a, a ticket? Them tickets to go? She said, no, I sold them. She sold tickets oh, to get wow. the bus back to get home with. She sold them. I said, how about mine? She said, I sold yours, too, so I can get some more money in and play some more, you know, slot machines. <laughs> now, we, I don't know how to get home. Yeah, we stuck here. Let's go outside and ask people who are going to Chicago to take us home. So I said, no, I got a better idea. So I started grabbing the papers that mm -hmm. I seen up there. They had on a desk, so I turned them, I turned them over so I can see the white side of it. Mm -hmm. And I stood up there, and um, I started, I said, you sit here, and I'm going to just draw you. I said, somebody might come along. So I, I was drawing her before I could even finish. I had two guys, a lady, a male and a female, they was white. They said, oh, you are an artist. I said, yeah. I said, can you draw us what you charge? I said, $7 for each figure. I just do fast drawing, a quick sketch of a person. He said, that is nice. That looks just like. So they, they said, I told her, you get up, let them sit down. Mm -hmm. She got up, and one thing led to another. Nice. Before I knew it, she had $7 and I had $7. I made $14, and we got home. I was living in No Pepperoni Green. We had a candy store and I wasn't working so I didn't have like another income coming in. So I ended up having a candy store, a candy store where I sell candy, chips, juice um, to the people that stayed in the community to have extra money for the household. But it went from a couple people to, I had like a line, like about 10, 15 people, maybe 20, 30. It depends on the type of the time of the day. <laughs> in the morning, noon, afternoon, it really depends. It went from just chips and juice to candy, and it went from chips, juice, and candy to pop, and from popping to some of, some food, and from food to do you have roll of tissues, do you have diapers, do you have mm -hmm. t-shirts, do you have socks? So it really like escalated from there when it kept asking for the basic needs, and I just kept getting just to trying to supply everybody needs to try to keep everybody safe. We used to have a lot of. Uh entrepreneurial businesses, mar merchants that will come through with special services. One of them that came to mind that, I, that, that stays in my mind is it was a guy that lived, it was a black man, we never knew his name, but he lived in the 15 stories. And when they say the 15 stories, they're talking about the uh, housing development that was on Loomis between Roosevelt and 14th Street mm -hmm. up to Ashland. So I don't know where he came from specifically at that area. But he would leave out his house every morning with a, a cooler full of homemade tamales that he made out of grits. And you talk about to die for. He never got past Grinshaw and Truth before he would sell out because people would just take all his tamales. In order for him to try to get to other parts of the area, he'd have to go down Loomis or go around the other way. But every time people see him, when he opened up, when he opened up that cooler, and he kept the tamales hot, he would sell them tamales all day, and they were perfect. He made the perfect tamale. That man left an impression of how people can go about and be an entrepreneurial. Um, another guy, Mr. Charlie. Mr. Charlie was the watermelon man, and you know he's cutting because he had a song, watermelon. <laughs> Come and get your watermelon, hot and sweet, sweet cold watermelon. And, and as you hear it, and people come out and then uh, get his watermelon, and he eventually sold enough watermelon to buy his own home for him and his wife. 